Welcome back to the Prepared Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and I have another episode for you guys this week. Uh, I had the opportunity over the weekend to attend my first uh, formalized uh, class. My first uh, classroom experience uh, was a Carbine 2 class, uh, and I'll get more into this a little bit later, but it was a, it was a pretty interesting experience for me, a very enjoyable experience, something I'm, I definitely recommend to anybody who's looking to... Uh, evaluate themselves their skill level um and just have some different some different you know things thrown at them different concepts and stuff uh presented to them uh but you know as always before i get too deep into this week's discussion i do want to take the time to thank our sponsors first off eclipseholsters.com guys if you need a new holster you need maybe just a better holster you need a mag carrier you need dump trays maybe you need a mag pouch for your ar they got you covered all right and we definitely had some guys this weekend who could have uh benefited in class from having a eclipse uh an, an eclipse holsters uh mag pouch for their for their ar um they do in the waistband out the waistband whatever you guys need colors prints styles whatever it is all right they got you covered and if it's not something they have on the site reach out to justin or team they're going to take great care of you. All right. If you use our code prepared one five, they're even going to knock off 15% from your order total. And if you spend over 60 bucks, you're going to get free shipping and it gets better. All right. I know it sounds like you can't really get any better 15% off, you know, free shipping, whatever. They guarantee that they're going to have your order out in the mail to you in three business days or less. That's a start to finish custom built holster for your specific firearm built to your specific design choices in the mail in under three days. And I know the holsters are over 60 bucks. You're going to get free shipping. And if you use our code prepared one five, it's going to save you 15% off. So head over, check out eclipseholsters.com. Let Justin or team take care of you, hook you up with whatever new gear that you need. Also, mymedic.com. Guys, in class this week, we had a we had a, a class medical kit <clears throat> that was on standby in the event that anything should happen. It didn't, but you never know, all right? So if you're out there taking trips to the range, uh, if you're going on vacations, hunting, um, camping, mountain biking, uh, whatever, I mean, whatever outdoor adventures, or hell, you could be outside disc golfing, okay? I've seen stuff happen out disc golfing from... Uh, you know, bug bites and bug stings to nasty falls to, um, and you know, weird interactions with, with plant life that causes skin irritation. You guys, whatever you're out there doing, let my medic prepare you. All right. They got their solo kits. They got the MyFac. They got the MyFac large. They got the recon. They've got a whole variety of different size and different capability kits to cover whatever contingency you need. You don't know what you need no problem. Give their customer service a call. They'll listen to what you got to say, listen to your concerns, and they'll make a recommendation, let you know, this is what you need. This kit covers this many people. Okay. Maybe you only need two or three of you. Maybe you're just a small family with one kid. Maybe the regular MyFAC is enough. Hey, maybe you got a, a bigger family. You got two, three kids. Maybe you need the MyFAC large. Maybe you're trying to get a whole, a whole group covered. Maybe you need more. Maybe you need less. They're going to take great care of you, all right? And if you use our discount code, Mindset20, it's going to knock 20% off your order total. And guys, 
you can also use your HSA cards, right? I, I, I have a work-sponsored health savings account. If you have a health savings account that you either contribute to or, you know, work-sponsored, whatever, these are qualified items. These medical kits are covered, so it doesn't have to come straight out of your pocket. It can come out of that HSA that you might not use very often. The money's just sitting there. Put it to a good use. Head over to MyMedic.com. Use our discount code MINDSET20 to save 20% and pick up a medical kit for yourself and your family today. Also, you can head over to our Facebook page, or the Prepared Mindset Podcast on Facebook. You can head over to our offer section. MyMedic is an affiliate partner with us. If you purchase through our link, you can still use the Mindset 20 discount link, or discount code, I should say. You'll still save 20% on your order. You can still use your HSA card. You'll just kick a small piece of whatever you're spending over to the Prepared Mindset and our continued efforts here to bring you guys great new content on a regular basis. And, you know, our undying gratitude and appreciation. But I digress. Let's get into it. All right. Like I said, this was uh, this past weekend, I had the opportunity to take my first uh, my first class. All right. It was a carbine two course presented at uh, a facility called Ann Arbor Arms. And that's uh, in Ann Arbor, Michigan. So um, it 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 took me as approximately an hour drive for me. I definitely was the, out of the eight students in the class, I definitely uh, drove the furthest. Um, I was okay with it. Uh, when I got there, I checked out the facilities. Um, outstanding. Top-notch everything. Uh, very, very clean facilities. Very well lit. Very well ventilated. Um, <clears throat> just, you know, the brief time I was able to take to uh, look around and check out the retail environment. They've got a wide variety of options for whatever you're there looking for. Whether you're just looking for some shirts and hoodies, you know, uh, I picked up a shirt personally. I had such a great experience. I wanted a shirt. They also have pocket knives, right? I'm big on pocket knives. I carry one every day. They, I know I saw in the can, I know they have Benchmade, right? They're a Benchmade dealer. They got Black Rifle Coffee. They got all kinds of uh, handguns, rifles, parts, right? They have a uh, a, an armor on site that can can help with the installation on said parts. Um, we had <laughs> we had a couple people in the class. I was one of them uh, that, that took advantage of that and had to have an adjustment made to their their weapon during class. Uh, they they offer all of that stuff on site. Uh, <clears throat> after just talking with the instructor Robbie for a couple of minutes, you know they got two 16 lane uh, ranges for pistol and rifle, and then they have an additional eight lane range, which is the one we were on when we took class. Looking at the uh, the facilities, you know, an upstairs classroom for CPL courses, uh, the bathrooms. I mean, I know it's a small it's a small detail for a lot of us, but I mean, very very clean, very clean. Uh, I had an awesome experience there. I'll definitely be returning. Uh, I, just, I, I don't I, I have I don't have a bad thing to say. It was an awesome experience. Um, you know, and it wasn't one. It wasn't something where I walked in. I felt intimidated, or felt like I was putting uh, myself in, a, in an awkward situation in, in, in a class. And um, you know, I, I like to think I have a fair amount of time shooting, um, but nothing in a formalized, in, you know, instructional situation like this. So uh, it really put me at ease. Uh, you know, Rob, Robbie, the the lead instructor, uh, the the head instructor at Ann Arbor Arms, was a great guy. Um, did a really really good job with the class. So just <clears throat> going to walk you guys through, I mean, how it went for me. I had a great time. We started off, uh, we did a safety brief. If you guys have never been to a course, it's pretty standard to go through a safety brief. And that is not so much because I think uh, people don't know, but it's just to make sure everybody understands the, the procedures 
because uh, it could change, right? Range to range, uh, place to place, how they want to handle things, uh, what they want you to do or maybe not do. Um, and then obviously where they keep the medical kit, right? In the event that you need it, it's probably pretty important to know uh, or to have everybody on site know, hey, this is where you need to run and grab the medical kit if something happens. Um, you know, this is what you need to say when you call 911, because I'm sure most of us have never had to call in a, a you know gunshot or an accident or something before. Um, so we started off with a safety brief. We introduced ourselves to each other, kind of just uh, let everybody know a little bit about ourselves. We had a pretty wide uh, variety uh, of, uh, I don't want to say talent levels, uh, I'll say experience levels, uh, ranging from guys who had just taken the Carbine 1 course up to some gentlemen that were uh, that were veterans, Army veterans, um, you know, some new shooters, some people have been shooting for a while. Uh, so that kind of helped, right, to kind of spread things out a bit, uh, and everyone was able to kind of stay on the same, uh, the same, I, I guess, plane, the same level throughout the class. We didn't have anybody that was, uh, you know, straggling real bad. We didn't have anybody who was hanging, uh, you know, hanging behind or anything like that. So that that was nice, um, and and we kept a pretty good pace going throughout the day. Uh, once we got to the safety brief, uh, we loaded up, we went over. You know, uh, we talked about how we were going to run the range for the day, um, you know, hot range. So safety's on. Um, shouldn't really be messing with your with your weapon unless you're on the line uh, getting ready to run the drill. We kind of split it. We did uh, just because, you know, space restrictions. We don't want bla- uh, brass flying in each other's faces and everything. So we, we did four at a time. <clears throat> and the nice part with that, too, is that when you're doing half and half like that, it gives you the opportunity, one, to participate, but then when you're off the line, you can observe what other guys are doing. Um, so maybe, you know, just talking to each other, you can point something out, or maybe you can just make an observation and go, hey, he's doing pretty well, he's doing this, 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 I want to do this. Or you can hear the instructors make different correction. You you, you can absorb all that information, um, both verbal and visual uh, so I, I really appreciated that part um, throughout the course. We were able to do it that way all day long, and it didn't hold us up at all. Okay. So once we got through the safety brief, we kind of explained everything that we were, uh, how we are going to run the range for safety reasons, and uh, just procedurally went through a lot of that stuff. The first thing that we did, we actually had uh, the T-Rex arms, and, and this is actually available for free at uh, T-Rex-arms.com um, in their training section. We started off with their uh, rifle quad target. Um, if you've ever used this before, you know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, it's a eight and a half by eleven regular printer paper size target. It's got like a I want to say it's like a four inch and then a six inch circle, uh, maybe, maybe three inch and then a six inch circle. So two circles. And what we started doing, we started we loaded up one magazine with four rounds rounds only and then we had a full magazine uh on our on our belt or in our pocket whatever our source for for reloading was um and this basically we did the first uh, set of drills with this uh rifle quad target we did four rounds uh we did and then we would do a emergency reload and then four rounds in the bigger circle so four rounds small circle reload four rounds in the bigger circle and then we would just uh we would unload we would put you know uh more rounds back into the empty magazine and we repped that a couple times and we did that um at the oh so you started the five yards backed up to seven ten twelve fifteen yards and what we were doing during this time was uh robbie helping us understand our offset okay and when i say offset think about your your scope there's a couple guys running uh magnified optics and then or your red dot 
couple of us, myself included, running uh, just red dot optics. You think about the bore of your barrel as a straight line, and then how, what your offset is, how high above that is the line of sight for your optic. So understanding that at five yards, you're going to have to put that red dot a decent distance above that small circle when you pull the trigger to get those rounds to hit the center of the circle. Understanding what that looks like. Understanding, you know, how you need to make that work at, a, at some varying distances, right? So... Um, we started with that. We did, like I said, we did the four reload four drill. Um, I believe at this point, um, I'm not, I think that was what we did. Yeah, four reload four, and then we switched over to the another uh, T-Rex arms target. We switched over to the throttle target, um, which has a large circle in the center and, and four small circles in the corner, and uh, same same kind of concept. It was ready up drills. What I mean by ready up is just one round from either a low ready with the barrel at like a 45 degree downward or high ready um, with the barrel at an upward 45 degree in the stock uh, or brace if you're running an AR pistol under your elbow, right? Um, and just, you know, f again, 5 yards, 7 yards, 10, 12, 15 yards. Um, and as we got further out, we would go from the small circles to the, the larger circle in the center. Uh, and again, understanding our offset <clears throat> but also now taking it a step further. Now we're working on picking up that site picture, working on that site alignment and adding that, I don't want to even say stress, but adding that just like that little bit of, of factor of time in it because you want to pick up that picture as quickly as you can and pull that trigger. And by the way, during all this, obviously uh, observing good safety practices and flipping that safety lever from safe to fire back to safe. And when you bring the gun back down, okay. Once we worked through that, and we we all had an opportunity to do that, probably hmm, I want to say probably five reps uh, per yardage. So five reps at five yards, five reps at seven, so on. Um, and then we started working movement. Okay, at that point we had we had pretty well, uh, you know, verified that nobody had some you know nobody had any crazy issues with their zero on their optic. Most of the issues we were running into um, were either something you know I think I made. Uh, a couple click adjustment on mine just to bring it up a little bit um you know i just changed the mount I, or i have recently changed the mount on my red dot and not had a chance to fully zero it um i got it close but i think i just made a small adjustment i was fine um but once we got through these two drills then we started talking about um <clears throat> some movement we covered uh 90 degree turns um the big thing with this is how you do not so much the footwork the footwork's important right um, but how to safely and properly do a 90 degree turn either to your right or to your left, uh, prioritizing things like, hey, you should your head should be the first thing that moves. You need to positively ID that target. You need to spot that target before you do anything else. So it was, you know, spot the target. Here's your footwork, you know, right, left or left, right, depending on what, you know, which way you're turning. Uh, as you're bringing the gun up, you engage that safety selector and then one round. Okay. And again, we got to do that uh, probably five times, I think, uh, per direction. And then we did uh, 180 degree turns to both directions. And that was, that was a bit more difficult um, just because obviously of the limitations, right? With your neck, you can only turn your neck so far. Um, so you kind of really got to work a little bit harder to get that, get your, your head around, spot that target, understand your footwork. So you're not taking extra steps, um, you know, or even, I mean, hell, or even just tripping over your own feet, 
to go ahead and, and uh, get squared up to that target. And while you're making these turns, not flagging the guys that are on either side of you. So that it takes it's it's less about speed and it's a lot more about safety, which I think is important because I think in the current gun culture, um, if you look at stuff you find on like Instagram and stuff you find on YouTube, uh, the the prevailing priority is usually speed, which is fine. That it's all well and good um, in the safety of your own home, in the safety of your own range when you're dry firing, when you're live firing. There's nobody around. <clears throat> that's that's fine. However, one of the things that, that Robbie stressed, cause, and Robbie is a former, uh, a former law enforcement, former SWAT um, uh, officer, was how to do this safely and reference different situations where this would be important. Whether you're in a house, whether you're on the range with other people, whether you're in a house with other people, knowing how to safely uh, manipulate that firearm is extremely important. Okay, um, And then at the next drill we moved on to at that point was uh, he discussed with us forward and backward movement, walking towards the target, and he would do a call out, you know, target um, or threat, you know, and you would bring the gun up from your low ready, one shot on target, and then um, you know, hit that safety switch and come back down. But you'd keep you'd continue moving the whole time. Talked a lot about uh, about how to move, right? Um, roll step, basically get your your toes up. At this point, we already had a couple you know hundred rounds of spent brass on the ground um and if you're not walking correctly if you're not paying attention it's very easy to come down on three or four you know casings and lose your footing just like when you're inside you're, you could be on some rough ter- uneven terrain rough terrain you could be in a house or something where you don't know what you're stepping on i mean guys you got kids i, I have a i don't even have kids i have a, i have now two dogs we got another dog over the weekend while i was at class wife went and got a dog um, <clears throat> I've stepped on dog toys before and slid slid across the floor and accidentally done the splits. Um, aside from the obvious pain to uh, the buddies, um, think about what would happen in that kind of scenario with a firearm, right? So it's important to understand how to move forward and backwards. So going forward, you get your toes up, you roll down, you roll through that step. Uh, to kind of roll over any kind of obstructions. And then moving backwards, you roll down onto your heel. You don't keep all of your weight on the heel of your foot. You want to keep it forward. Um, <clears throat> and this is something I actually um, I, I did pretty well. I excelled at. This is very similar to what I uh, had taught my students uh, when, I, when teaching marching band. Any, any of uh, you listening that have been in marching band, whether it was high school, college, um, perhaps you march drum corps or winter drum line, uh, the WGI circuit, um, you, that, that's marching, right? You get your toes up as you're marching forward and you get off your heels, you're going backward. Um, so that does avoid things like slipping and tripping. <clears throat> However, it also does, if you, uh, if you understand how this works, is it helps you keep your weight forward, right? If you're moving backward, you're keeping your feet off your heels, then your feet, your weight must be on. Sorry, keeping your weight off your heels, keeping your weight forward, it must be on the front of your feet. This also helps you lean into the gun while you're engaging that target. Um, you know, because if you're just standing upright, even just standing still, right? If you're standing upright and not leaning into that gun, even a soft shooting gun like a 5.56 is enough to stand you up after a couple of rounds. Um, and that was something that, that we addressed in class as well. We had a couple of guys that <clears throat> really needed to address their posture and how they were uh, leaning into the gun, getting up on the gun, uh, and managing that recoil. 
So we covered forward movement, covered backward movement. Um, and then once we got past that, we took a break and we kind of reorganized a little bit. Um, at this point, we had the, the opportunity to uh, do some box drills using some cones, and, and I think we had four targets set up. Uh, and at this point, we started doing things like uh, switching to left shoulder or left hand. Um, you can either switch over, put your left hand on the trigger and safety controls, and your right hand uh, as a support hand. Or you could, uh, I've never heard it called this before, but Robbie called it bumping over to your left shoulder. Um, and what this basically means is, as you're shooting a rifle with your right hand on the, the pistol grip and your left hand uh, on the hand stop or vertical grip or barrel, right? All you do is move that stock from your right shoulder over to your left shoulder. Um, and that way it's a, it's a skill. It's a tool, uh, to shoot around obstacles. Okay. Um, and it does, it takes a second to transition, whether you're switching hands or just bumping over. Um, and what really takes a minute is getting your eyes uh, to work correctly behind that optic, whether you're using your left eye and your right eye dominant, or you're getting your right eye behind that optic and you just got to lean over. Um, there's def- definitely a learning curve to that. And I, I've worked on shoulder transition stuff before. Um, I've never done it while I was on the move. Um, and this, uh, this box drill, uh, there's a couple box drills that we did, uh, really, uh, highlighted how how much uh, difficulty movement adds to it. And it's not like you're running during this either. Um, but, you know, you're shooting, you're moving, uh, target transition, you're using your non-dominant eye with your non-dominant hand, and between targets, right, you're switching your safety selector, uh, you know, off and on. Which, if you're not practiced with your non-dominant hand on your standard AR rifle, that's designed to be used with your right thumb. Obviously, you switch hands, then you can no longer access it with your dominant, you, it would be your left thumb. You have to bring the left thumb over um, onto the same side as your index finger and like kind of contort and cock your wrist and get to it or try and flip it with your index finger, which then takes it off the trigger. Um, you know, and I know a lot of guys will say, oh, well, then you can get an ambidextrous safety switch that's got, um, you know, latches on both sides. You can, um, you know, I run mil spec lowers, uh, so I don't have anything super fancy like that. Um, I think it, it speaks to your abilities and skill, uh, to be able to work without something like that. Um, I'd be lying. However, if I said that I didn't leave that class thinking about wanting to upgrade, uh, and get, you know, like a 45 degree safety or at the very least ambi safeties, um, on both my guns, just because it, it would have been, you know, so much nicer to have them. Uh, but you know, just a skill that I, um, hadn't, had not really, had the chance to really dive into and get some real, real world, uh, contextual experience with. So we did some box drills and then we kind of wrapped things up by setting up some, I guess if you're looking at like USPSA or IPSC or something, they call them stages. Um, these are just like some scenarios and different, uh, some different stages, okay, that you had to uh, execute a, a certain number of tasks or something while you're moving and shooting. Um, you know, for instance, for one of them, you started in a cone, then you had, you know, on the beeper or on the buzzer, I'm sorry, you'd have to run up to a barricade and take two shots from behind the barricade at any one of the portholes you wanted um, at a steel target. This is my first time shooting steel as well, which is super cool because hearing that that steel ring is awesome. Um, 
but shoot, uh, it was like 20 or 25 yards. It was all the way at the end of the range. Um, one shot from each porthole. And then you would run to the, or start moving towards the next cone. And uh, Robbie had circled some letters that were on the targets. And if he called out that letter combination, you would shoot that target. If he didn't, move on to the next target. Um, there were four of those in total, two of them that were moving straight forward and two that required you to move uh, sideways. Then, you, once you got through all four of those targets, whether you shot or not, you would turn, keeping your muzzle facing the wall, run back to the, we had some uh, big blue, um, like water barrel type things, big blue barrels, that were two of them that were stacked on each other, and you would get back there and I know like in one drill you had to shoot uh, two rounds on a paper target um, that was like 20 yards away, two from the left shoulder, come behind cover, transition, two from the right shoulder, and then go to and, and engage a steel target that was diagonally at the other end of the range, so probably like 27 yards maybe, 25, 27 yards, and that one had it actually had a, a very small target in the center of it that was uh, a fatal zone um, that was spray-painted red, and that one actually sparked when you would hit it so you could kind of kind of tell when there was a, a hit there um that was actually pretty difficult um i struggled with that uh we mixed in some reloads and stuff uh it was a lot of fun uh, it was a lot of fun and i know just we each got to run each one of the three stages i think twice and um the last stage i actually did i thought really well i was able to sh go from like a 39 uh or 38 and high change or 39 or something and get down the second rep i did like tw like 26 something which was only like a second or two off of uh the instructor's time which i was really happy with not necessarily that i came close to to matching the instructor but just that i was able to shave like 12 seconds off my time um just by doing it once then doing it the second time um i will point out <laughs> guys in my class bunch of jerks uh when getting ready to start the the rep i look around all of a sudden they're all behind me and i was the first one in line to run the stage and that happened all three times we did those stages uh regardless of you know i i tried to not be that guy and uh just happened to end up that way every time so um first reps weren't always so awesome as i learned how to do it and everybody else watched me suffer through it a bit um <clears throat> But, uh, you know, second reps were good. I, I feel like I got a lot better um, and, and just realized a couple different things about my shooting, uh, about my gear, right? I, I wore a battle belt to this class. Uh, a couple other guys had uh, some kit loadouts. A couple guys loaded out of pockets because they didn't bring that stuff. Um, and I'll get into that in a second, too. But um, I learned a lot about how to run my, uh, my kit, um, you know, how to run the gun, really, uh, the reliability of my gun and things to look at and check out, you know, um, just throughout the course, uh, a couple of the guys that were there, you know, one of them really, really nice guy, uh, has only been shooting since last November. So like 10 months. Okay. Um, he had, uh, he had a, a, a actually a pretty nice rifle. I think he said it was like a BG defense. Um, he's having some issues with it. You know, he ran a can and those first couple drills we were working on, he was, he was doing okay, but because he was running a can, um, and then the you know the, the over gassing you get running suppressed, the bolt was cycling too fast, and it was causing a lot of problems where it was catching or capturing the uh, the spent brass, right, which is a failure to eject, <clears throat> and then it was causing cycling issues. So uh, he worked through it a couple reps, and then one of the other guys in the class just mentioned, hey. 
Um, you probably need a heavier buffer. I don't know if you have an H1 in there or something. Here, he went to his bag. He got him a braided buffer spring, uh, so a heavier gauge buffer spring <clears throat> and a heavier buffer, which he was able to swap out. And then the gun started running fine. Um, so that was cool. You know, a little, little camaraderie, a little working together to sort out the issue. Unfortunately, then it was like an hour later, uh, the safety selector broke. So it would flip back and forth between safe and fire, but it was stuck on safe. So that was a little bit of an issue. Um, he was able to get a different, uh, he had another AR with him. He was able to switch over to that for the rest of the class while the other one was being worked on. Um, now, that's not, I'm not saying that to, that's not a dig on, it was Dana. It was Dana's gun that had it, that had the issues. Um, that's not a dig on him at all. <clears throat> that's not a, uh, a bad thing at all. It's just to highlight that, well, a couple things. One, it's important to get out and shoot like this and take uh, training classes like this so you understand your kit, you understand your gear, you understand your, your weapon system so that if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need it to work, right, life and death, self-defense, whatever, where you need that rifle to work, <clears throat> it's going to work because you've put in the time, you've put in you know the reps with it, you understand how it's going to cycle and you've got it all sorted out, Okay. Um, he actually, he's a very good shooter, uh, for being so new. Uh, he, he did really well. Uh, I, it was actually a really nice rifle. Uh, I was actually pretty jealous. I think he had like a Trijicon MRO on it and stuff. Uh, pretty slick looking gun. Just had to get a couple of things, a couple of gremlins worked out on it. Um, you know, I, if anything, it just highlights that if you have, uh, you don't need all the fancy stuff to have a reliable firearm, but you do need to know your firearm and have reliable parts on it. Uh, my gun that I ran for this class was uh, my 11.5-inch AR pistol, which started life <laughs> as a 10.5-inch uh, Palmetto State Armories build, actually. <clears throat> I bought everything uh, originally straight from Palmetto State Armory, and I know there's a lot of like mixed uh, opinions out there on PSA just because they're like the uh, wholesale bargain outlet that a lot of guys go to to get their first AR, to get their first AR pistol and stuff. Um, mine, since uh, having first purchased it, um, swapped out to a Roscoe barrel, so now it's an 11.5 inch. Um, I swapped out the bolt carrier. Um, I actually took the one that was in my Smith & Wesson M&P that only had uh, not even 500 rounds on it. When I upgraded that one to a nickel boron, uh, I think it was a Toolcraft. Um, I, I took the Smith & Wesson one and put it in there. Um, and then the bolt carrier that actually wound up coming out of my PSA uh, pistol wound up going into the rifle that I built my dad a couple years later and gave him as a Christmas gift. But, um, yeah, so I got uh, you know upgraded barrel, upgraded bolt, uh, mil full mil-spec lower other than that. I mean, really, guys, if you're not shooting super high speeds you don't need you don't need uh, any of these fancy ultra lightweight triggers and for the stuff we were doing in this class um i don't think you really needed to be going extra fast anyways um i i am personally of the belief and of the mindset that if you can't uh if you can't adequately operate on mil spec gear <clears throat> you need to spend more time training you don't need to spend more money on a better gun it's not the gun it's it's you okay um, and then, you know, we had guys in the class that ran EOTEX, uh, like I said, uh, MROs. I think the instructor was running one of the Vortex LPVOs, the, the Razor 1 to 6, I believe. Um, I think one other guy um, had an EOTEX Voodoo 1 to 6, 
which is a pretty nice uh, LPVO. I think it's like a $900 or $1,200 LPVO optic. Um, we also had some guys running some hollow suns. I was running a vortex red dot, you know, so nice, a nice like variety uh, of, of red dot optics and LPVOs being, being ran on some of these guns. But, um, you know, I think honestly, I, I only, I think uh, I had one issue with mine uh, and it wasn't really a reliability thing. I caught it before it got too bad is just that the uh, castle nut on my buffer tube started kind of coming loose uh, <clears throat> and I needed to borrow an armorer's wrench to go tight. And I noticed as we were doing a couple of these ready up drills, I'd bring the gun down and I just kind of look down and observe. And I see that my, my pistol brace is almost at like a 45 degree angle. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, you know, that's not good. Uh, luckily we took a, we took a quick break. Um, you know, and Robbie was able to walk me back into their, their back room, into their armorer's room, get a, get a wrench there. We threw it in a vice and tighten it up real quick and no problems the rest of the day. I think, um, I had two magazine related issues. One was pretty early in the class was like a double feed, which I mean, it happens. You're never going to not have some kind of feed you know, issues. I mean, even the best magazines have problems sometimes. Um, and I think at the very end, I don't, I guess I probably didn't seat one all the way or something. Um, <clears throat> I, I had to do a, a, a tap rack, no big deal. Um, just make sure the that magazine was seated all the way and, and finished the rep. Um, there's actually a video of it up on uh, Instagram and Facebook. It's the, the last uh, two or three shots I took um, on the uh, the A-Zone steel target, whatever. Uh, I had to do a tap rack after the reload just to make sure that I got around in the chamber. But other than that, I was very happy with how my, my gun ran. Um, I don't think anybody other than, unfortunately, poor Dana uh, had too many reliability issues. Um, but it, it was a, I mean, that was good because then we didn't have to waste time uh, too much uh, addressing those kinds of problems. And that's uh, that speaks to, you know, the quality of gear that, that everybody kind of, uh, everyone had, uh, as well as the level of care that was that was put into that. Um, there was nobody that really walked in with a total piece of crap gun. Um, I would, honestly, I would nominate myself more than anybody else if, if, you know, we all put it on the table just because mine came from mostly from PSA, um, just had some upgrades in places where it counted. But, uh, what I'm getting at is you don't, you don't have to go out and spend two grand on a rifle because even those $2,000 rifles can end up being ones that have issues. So, um, you know, for what it's worth, you don't have to blow all that money. Now, those are still very nice guns. Um, I believe the instructor ran a Noveski, I think, which, you know, awesome gun. Um, if you have the money to invest into a quality setup like that, obviously that's how he makes his living. So that's, you know, nicer gun, more reliable. Um, you do, as with most things, get what you pay for. But um, <clears throat> had an opportunity to, to, you know, take the class, meet some of the guys, talk with them. Um, I thought that uh, everyone did very well. Um, everyone walked away with, you know, a fair list of stuff to work on. Um, I will say on a negative side, unfortunately, um, the attitudes in the class, and this is no fault of the instructor, obviously, uh, I can't say enough, uh, how good a job I thought Robbie did with everybody. We did have a couple guys who were, uh, a little older gentlemen. I believe they were both army vets. One mentioned that he was in Kosovo, um, but the one gentleman kind of, you know, observed the issues that, Dana was having with his gun and uh, felt the need to <clears throat> make multiple comments, uh, at least to me, made multiple comments about, um, that's a classic example, he said. Um, I don't even remember the gentleman's name. I wouldn't put it out there if I did, but I, I don't remember his name. 
um, classic example of somebody driving a Ferrari that doesn't that doesn't even know how to drive a Corvette. Of course, what he's getting at is trying to say that uh, you know that's a really really expensive, really nice gun um, for somebody who doesn't even know how to shoot. Um, which is ironic because that's a pretty asinine comment for somebody to make because someone who knows about firearms knows about uh, AR-15s, the, the weapon platform, and I don't even consider myself an expert, okay? I don't. I know a little bit about a little bit, right? I knew it was a cycling issue. And then once we talked to him, we found out it was a safety selector issue. And I think on the second gun he used, he had one bad rep where the bolt wasn't all the way forward and he had to do a tap rack. Not the end of the world. Um, but anyways, this guy making these comments, comparing, you know, talking about driving a Ferrari when you don't know how to drive a Corvette, basically throwing shade because, uh, you know, poor guy's having some, some weapons issues. And it's not like, you know, he had no idea what was going on. He's taken several classes. He handled himself very well. He performed very well in the class. Not that it's, you know, a rated performance or anything, but he did pretty well. Um, unfortunately, this guy, like I said, uh, felt the need to go out and, uh, and kind of bad mouth him. Uh, to me, more than anything, honestly, uh, it, it came across as jealousy, you know, and, and you're going to get guys like that in classes. You're going to get guys like that, obviously, on the Internet. I think it's just important to take uh, take it for face value and consider the source. Um, now, this guy, he shot okay. Uh, however, he was running a magnified optic the entire class, which kind of takes at a 25-yard in course or stage or, or class or anything, um, kind of takes a lot of the challenge out of it. And the rest of us were running red dots trying to push uh, – push our abilities and, and pick up targets and, and do things the right way and get better. Um, and we've talked about this kind of stuff before on the podcast, right? Having a, a positive attitude and being a positive asset to the community uh, is is paramount, right? That's people like this coming in, uh, especially somebody who's only been shooting for not even a year yet, who wants to get better. And we had a couple guys that are newer in the class. Uh, the um, unfortunately, I, I'm just awful with names. I don't remember the other gentleman I talked to. He's, he's a law school professor at one of the colleges here in Michigan. And he's taking the class because he owns an AR-15 and he wants to know how to use it. He wants to be well-rounded and well-prepared to use it. He wasn't the fastest guy there, right? He, he wasn't the best shooter there. And that's fine because as was pointed out by the instructors, you know, a couple of different times, it's not about beating the other guys in the class. It's not a competition. You're not out there trying to shoot Ipsic or something. It's about beating yourself. It's about putting up a better time for yourself. Uh, and everybody there improved. Were some guys uh, noticeably uncomfortable? Yeah. Uh, I, one of the other gentlemen uh, pointed out at the very end of the class, you know, he had never even contemplated the possibility of shooting from his left shoulder you know, bumping over to the left or switching hands and, and using that as a way to shoot around obstacles or, uh, you know, barricades or cover or something that was totally new to him. And, and for some of the guys, you can just tell they were, they were visibly uncomfortable and that's good because once you get to that deliberate point of being in a state of discomfort, deliberate discomforts where we start to get better, that's when we start to improve. We start, we leave our comfort zone. Um, otherwise it's basically just a really, really expensive range session. If you're coming there to do just the things that you're comfortable doing and you don't get any better. Now there is, you know, there is value in repetition. I'm not going to say that that's not a thing, but then why come to a class like this? If you're only going to work on those things, right? 
so uh like i said i mean uh a good a good range of uh skills uh you know a couple of weird attitude uh things that happen throughout the day that um again not a not a reflection at all of the staff the facilities the class the experience you know just one guy who uh who by the way came in um only with his concealed carry pistol and had to borrow a buddy's ar rifle to even complete the class um so when you look at all the pieces to that, when you understand that it wasn't a failure of the shooter, um, a failure of the individual, it, it was a failure of the weapon system. Not even a failure, it's just some tweaking and some fine-tuning. Um, coming from the one guy in the class who didn't even have his own rifle to bring, um, you, you can just tell. It's a jealousy thing, you know? And, hey, Dana's got some nice stuff. He had some pretty some nice kit. Uh, he was well-prepared for class, you know? Uh, and this guy even made some comments to him about, oh, look at all that stuff you got on. Well, you know what? He didn't struggle to do reloads out of his pockets. You know, a couple guys, because they didn't have mag pouches, were checking this butt pocket, that butt pocket, cargo pockets, trying to find where they stuck their, their last full magazine to, to do a reload. Um, you know, prepared for class. It, it's good to have that stuff when you need it, right? Did we need a medical kit today? Or, I'm sorry, do we need a medical kit during the class on Sunday? No, we didn't. However, myself, the instructor, Robbie, and Dana, who the three guys in the class that were wearing battle belts, were all carrying medical kits on our belt, and we still had a an, an additional uh, full size medical uh, trauma kit, uh, you know, behind the line that was there if we should should need it, right? So just because you don't uh, you think that that something is necessary doesn't mean you shouldn't have it around or. Um, you know, be prepared with that extra kind of uh, kit and equipment. I can guarantee you uh, that those of us that had a little bit more kit uh, actually ended up doing a little bit better. There's just you know less to worry about. You don't you all you know where your um, your reload source is coming from every time. You don't have to think which pocket is it. What am I doing here? You know, hey, that's where my mag pouch is. That's where I'm going every time I need to do a reload. Whether it's administrative because we worked on that a couple times administrative or, or tactical reloads, um, which is something that I think everybody should um, address in your in your personal practice. It's something that I hadn't done a ton of and wasn't super great at, but I had an opportunity again to do to do several reps of it and, and work on it. Not only working on picking up the spare mag and swapping them, but also manipulating the firearm in a safe way. Okay. You keep the firearm down range. This is how you swap them out keeping that firearm down range. This is how you stow your magazine. Okay. Safety was a huge part of this class and wherever you go, right? Safety should be a huge part of the class. Um, not only for you, but for everyone else around you. And then you take these good habits with you. And when you're applying these skills in context, these skills stick. Okay. <clears throat> and it's not to rag on anybody who doesn't think that you should, you know, manipulate the, the safety switch when you're doing administrative tasks, but you definitely should. Um, because unlike Glocks, AR platform rifles are not drop safe. If you leave that weapon on fire and you drop it, you very well could have a negligent discharge. Or if you're transitioning, say you're, you know, transitioning your rifle to the side to go to your sidearm or something, um, you could have a negligent discharge if it catches on a piece of gear or something, a loose piece of molly webbing or sling strap or something gets in that trigger guard, negligent discharge. We actually did have one negligent discharge <clears throat> in the class. Uh, and Robbie pointed it out. He spoke to it. He didn't degrade the student. He just pointed out, hey, 
everybody see what happened here's what happened okay when and I, again i forget the guy's name um because i'm just awful with names uh was switching during one of the box drills he was switching from his right shoulder position to his left uh left shoulder left-handed shooting position because he is right hand dominant as soon as he got that left hand on the pistol grip his left finger went straight into that trigger well and he squeezed off around Okay, totally accidental. He wound up actually hitting the target, and his muzzle was safely downrange, um, which is you know the the uh, the drill, the exercise we're going to call it was uh, was allowed to continue. Um, finished the drill, then he stopped and and pointed it out to everybody. Uh, so again, a, a good learning experience, you know. And that was actually something we talked at the end of the class about. Hey, what do you guys have for input? You think can make this better? That was something that individual pointed out and said, Why didn't you? Why don't you stop me and have me restart? You know, when I was in the service, they if we made a mistake like that, they would stop us and have us go back to the beginning and restart, which is a valid question. Um, you know, I know there was times I was teaching music. Hey, if you guys get halfway into it and we blow up um, and everything falls apart, we're going to stop. We're going to start back over again. We're not going to keep going and <clears throat> have a bad rep. Robbie had a really good answer, and it makes really good sense. Um, he didn't even necessarily disagree with this uh, gentleman's opinion. But he did point out that in the real world, if that were a self-defense situation, if that were a under-stress, uh, dangerous situation, we don't want to train you to quit because you did something that you didn't intend to do, right? Something happened that, that was not intentional. Um, in this instance, your muzzle was downrange. It was safe. Um, you did. You even hit the target. There was no reason from a safety standpoint to call the drill and have you start over again. Um, you know, he, he made that a learning opportunity after the fact, which I think is, is just as important, um, you know, or, or just as good rather. Uh, he didn't, you know, shun the guy or anything or, or freak out. It, it was, I think I thought handled exceptionally well. Um, so, I mean, from a safety standpoint, that, that needs to be key. Any class you guys take, honestly, safety should be huge. Um, and we had it, um, it was mentioned a couple times, just little little call-outs here and there. Hey, guys, when you're back here behind the line, I shouldn't hear you messing around with magazines, loading or unloading, flipping selectors or anything like that. I shouldn't hear any noise. When I say put them on safe, let them hang, keep your hands off them. And, you know, just something like that. Um, <clears throat> you know, watch your muzzle when you're doing this. Uh, you know, safety is it's key. And when you And on the range, we only think about it in terms of, not flagging each other, but when you do start to do some of these drills and you apply an additional layer of context, things like direction changes, things like shooting on the move, things like switching your shoulders, you know, it starts to make a lot more sense, things you didn't think about. Yes, when you do shoulder transitions, um, yeah, you got your sling flopping around. You know, if you swim out of your sling and turn it into a neck loop so you don't have either arms through it, which makes the transition easier, you do have a lot more loose fabric, loose material from that sling that's now flopping around between your neck and the gun. Is it likely that it's going to get into that uh, trigger well and, and cause a negligent discharge? No, it's not likely. Is it possible? Yes, it's yeah, it's possible. That's why we practice. That's why we train these things is so that we know how to do it repeatedly so that we can do it safely each time. Okay. Um, there's a, there's a saying, right? We used to use it sometimes uh, when I was teaching music and I've heard people use it in a lot of different, uh, different facets of life is that people that want to be good at something 
will practice something until they get it right. Okay. People that want to be great, they want to be that next level, right? They practice something until they can't get it wrong. And we've talked about consistency here before on the podcast in, in different ways and different degrees and stuff, but that's really uh, what you want to shoot for is that level of consistency, that level of, of safety and uh, the proper way to um, to approach all these different uh, subjects and uh, and these different you know new skill sets that we're learning. And, and to that point, I, I do, again, I have to uh, give the, the instructor, I have to give Robbie credit. Um, he was, he did a good job for one. I thought his pacing and, and personally his temperament were very good. And I say that as somebody who has not been a firearms instructor, but who has been a instructor working with high school kids before, um, where it is very easy to get upset about mistakes that are made. Um, especially given that this situation is a little bit more drastic, right? Given that you're, you're talking about firearms and, and dangerous scenarios, um, very level-headed and and very uh, pleasant throughout the entire class, addressed things that needed to be addressed and gave out good information uh, the rest of the time. I thought we had an excellent pace throughout the course. We got an opportunity to hit on a wide range of of stuff, right, that I talked about, um, and we hit our 250-round count almost exactly, okay? Uh, In my mind, uh, for somebody who doesn't have a ton of extra money to uh, to be thrown out there taking a class every month or even every other month, right? Um, I thought that the the six hour time uh, time frame that we worked within uh, it was was excellent. I think the class cost like 175 bucks or something, and then uh, 250 rounds, which really isn't that bad when you look at at everything. Right now, I know ammo prices are still, you know, uh, pretty not awesome. However, five five six and two two three are coming down pretty significantly. Um, I think last time I was at Cabello's, it was like $13.99 a box for Frontier and then Winchester white box, which is pretty pretty decent ammo. I ran a little bit of it um, in the class, didn't have any issues with uh, failure to fire, failure to feed, anything like that. Um, it ran pretty well. So pretty decent ammo for, granted, it's almost double what it was before, but at least we're able to A, get it right now, um, and it's not you know, triple, quadruple what it was. Um, I do remember times uh, last year during lockdown when a 20 round box of uh, 5.56 was going for $30, $35. You know, we were at almost $2 around at some points just because demand was so high. You know, um, <clears throat> so again, I, I thought it was a, a really good class. Um, the facilities, I, I can't, I, I was just, my mind was blown. Um, I've, I go to a range here locally that I thought was very good, um, and, it, and it is by by all means. It is it is good. They also have a classroom. Um, they also do keep their facility clean. Um, it's well lit and, and well ventilated. Um, however, you know, going out to Ann Arbor Arms, uh, the retail side of it, they they have everything. It, basically, if you were to want to walk in, okay, and you were to walk in and say, "Hey, I just started shooting two weeks ago. I want to buy a full loadout." of everything top to bottom, right? Um, let's say you had, you know, just three, four grand, just burning a hole in your pocket. They, they have all of that there and, and available, uh, which is crazy because most places have, um, like half of that stuff available. They usually, it's really hard to walk into any of these gun shops now and get, um, an actual battle belt, let alone a, a good quality battle belt. Um, I think they had a bunch of the ones I saw were like HSGI, which aren't super, thick. They're not like the old school, um, Viking tactics ones that are super big. They're a little bit more slimline. Um, 
they actually had a, a lot of uh, handguns in stock, which right now, guys, I mean, it's it, it sucks. It's it's hard out there to find uh, handguns that you're looking for. In fact, I called a buddy after this class because he's looking for the Shield Plus and the Shield L. I think it's called the Shield L Plus. The one the longer slide. Um, they actually have those in stock there. They got a wide variety of rifles and parts. Uh, like I said, knives and case, just all kinds of stuff. Just a great, great facility with a really good instructional staff. Um, Robbie did a, did a really good job and has been very personable. I've been in contact with him basically on a you know regular basis since since class let out. We've been talking about some stuff and um, and and my hope is that within the next couple of weeks here, just with ske- with scheduling and you know. Um, now that everything's out of lockdown, uh, it seems like you got plans all weekend, every weekend. I know I got stuff this weekend already planned. I got stuff uh, September 11th weekend. I've, I'm like triple booked and things. And um, But I do want to set it, uh, try and get back out to Ann Arbor Arms to do an uh, episode of the pod uh, with Robbie and maybe a couple of his colleagues out there at Ann Arbor Arms and, and talk about what they've been through and, and their experiences and, and what they're really trying to do. From, from everything I've heard, now that COVID has sort of subsided, they are really uh, embracing uh, the curriculum side of the house and wanting to expand uh, into classes like Carbine 2 and beyond, right? To be able to offer those kinds of uh, those kinds of resources and opportunities, right, to those of us that are are past the beginner level. Because I, I mean, like I said, this is my first class, right? Um, I did not take their Carbine 1 class. I didn't take a Carbine 1 class anywhere. And that was actually one of the things I was apprehensive about, if I'm being completely honest. Um, I, uh, some training companies uh, or training facilities will insist that you take their Carbine 1 or Handgun 1, d- depending, or Gunfighter 1. They will insist that you take their number 1 class and then take your number 2. Um, full disclosure, you know, honestly, I was not going to take the class if they were going to make me take the carbine one, um, reading the course description, it was things like how to fire the gun, how to safely reload the gun, um, how to hold it, uh, sight picture, things like that was a four hour class. And, um, not that I'm very full of myself or I, you know, or have an overestimation of my personal abilities. I just, I know what I've done. Um, I know what I'm capable of doing and where my skill level is at. So um, just wanting to know and, and genuinely being interested in the class, I reached out to Robbie on uh, social media and introduced myself, let him know I was looking at taking the class and said, hey, um, I've never taken your Carbine One course before. I don't know if that's a requirement or not. Um, I would like to just take the Carbine Two. Can you check out some of the videos and things I have posted here on the podcast, uh, you know, Instagram, right? Can you take a look at what I'm doing? Um, you know, if you can give me any tips or input, that'd be appreciated. But I really just want you know to know, do you think I would be okay with where I'm at to come into the, the level two course? And, uh, you know, he was great about it. So, yep, nope, you're definitely, you're definitely beyond the, uh, the level one class. And, you know, I think you would, you'd really enjoy coming in and doing our level two course. Uh, so I did, you're right. You know, I went online, I enrolled, uh, went out, took the course. Um, I did not at any point necessarily find myself in a position where I was totally lost, uh, totally uncomfortable, totally not ready, um, or wanting to be doing what I was doing. I, like I said, there were definitely moments, right. Where I was uncomfortable, um, where I knew that whatever I was, I was executing or working on was not something I was 
exceptionally good at, uh, but nothing that was that I've never heard of before. I I've seen videos and tried it myself, bumping over. I didn't, again, I didn't know the name for it. Um, I just you know moving the the rifle over to the opposite shoulder. I've worked on shoulder transitions again, never on the move. Um, never had the opportunity to do shooting and moving at the same time. Um, you know, and then just the work with uh, the offsets and stuff. A lot of this, right? And um, it's just it great, great, great experience. Um, I just say it over and over again because it was a really good time. Um, if you're in the Southeast Michigan area, honestly, uh, and you're within, you know, what you consider to be a reasonable driving distance, um, I definitely consider checking out Ann Arbor arms, um, here in Michigan, uh, there's a lot of gun ranges. There are very few, I would say that, um, meet the level of professionalism, uh, that I experienced there. Uh, I'm sure there are others in the state that are, like I said, that are on that level. Um, this is probably this is the nicest one I've been to. Um, and you know, go check it out for yourselves. I definitely recommend the courses. Um, I was talking to Robbie today. He, they just added like six new classes to the schedule, which is huge. Um, you know, he was, he was telling the class that they just, uh, certified some new CPL course instructors. The nice thing about that is a, they can offer more CPL classes, obviously, because they have more instructors given how many firearms have been sold during the pandemic that's obviously a plus, right? Accessibility is is necessary. But what it also does is it means that some of the higher level educators or even just Robbie, right, who's the, the curriculum, uh, the head of training and stuff there, the curriculum uh, advisor, whatever you want to call him. I'm butchering these titles. It's a fucking joke here. But uh, he has time to spend on classes like Carbine 2. I don't know if they're planning a Carbine 3 or a Gunfighter uh, 1 or 2 class. They can look at more advanced concepts and different things that are going to attract more than just your beginning uh, shooters, which I think that, again, now that we're having more people buy guns and and look at the world in a, in a different way, right, because of the events that have transpired in the past year with the riots and the civil unrest and all the other bullshit that's been going on, right? A lot of people, I mean, obviously myself included and and I've and other people included, right, uh, are are taking this more seriously, are realizing that the there may be call to use these skills, you know, sooner rather than later, unfortunately. I hope to God that's not the case. You know, um, I hope to God that this is just this gets to be a recreational hobby and I get to just have a lot of fun hanging out with these guys, uh, taking classes and and, and just learning. Um, cause for me, it's, you know, it's, uh, um, it's cathartic, right? Um, get out there on the range. You're not, you're not thinking about the bills. You're not thinking about the home life. You're not thinking about, uh, you know, your wife bringing home a new puppy, which was, you know, again, awesome. Uh, got that, those text messages and those pictures like halfway through the class and I was taking a break. So that was, uh, that was pretty epically awesome, but I'm going to think about all that stuff. You're just out there. You're having a good time with some like-minded dudes. And, um, uh, if you're, I mean, if you, if you're struggling to find people to connect with, uh, in this community, going to classes like this is a great way to network and a great way to make some new, uh, new friends that you can bounce ideas off of that you can just talk to, you know, things like, Hey, did you see anything from, Hey, did you see the new Glock that came out? Or, Hey, I was thinking about picking up that, uh, SIG P320 yours looked real slick. Um, I really liked the way that looked, uh, you know, do you have any good experiences, bad experiences or what kind of, you know what I mean? You just, you connect with people so much easier than having to kind of go through your, 
uh, I don't your Facebook friends list and, and kind of haphazardly reach out to people about going to the range and then you take people to the range and you spend money and you spend ammo and then, you know, it just gets to be this whole thing and it's, it's not, it's not great. But, um, even if you don't go to Ann Arbor Arms, I suggest everybody get out and take a course. Um, now, like I said, you're in Southeast Michigan, you should definitely go check them out. Uh, they do host outside instructors too. Um, you know, so, uh, check their site, uh, annarborarms.com. You can head over and look at their, their calendar, see what else they got going on there. They got all kinds of classes, all kinds of events and opportunities, uh, for you guys all to, uh, head out and take advantage of. Um, on one note, I will, I will just mention, um, if you're uncertain, right, with your first class or any class on what to bring, because I definitely was, um, sometimes the sites, the, uh, the class information, it's not complete. It doesn't give you a packing list of what to bring. Email the training facility, email the instructor, um, just ask. All right. I was able to figure it all out. We had a couple guys show up without slings, uh, a couple guys that showed up without, uh, you know, mag carriers that, it just made the experience not not miserable, but it didn't. You weren't able to get the best experience out of uh, class that you could. Um, now both guys were able to purchase slings, I believe, from the range, um, and that's not really their goal, right, to sell you anything uh, in addition to the class. But you got to have a sling, right? It's a carbine class; you can't run it without a sling. So, um, if you're not sure what to bring, reach out and ask. Uh, other than that, make sure you just you pack the night before. Make sure you have everything you need. Uh, if you need some kit, buy some kit, all right? You need a mag carrier, eclipseholsters.com, prepared15 is our discount code. They'll, they'll take good care of you. You'll get whatever you need, all right? Get one, get two even. Um, so you got two on your belts and one in the gun. You'll be good to go. You just toss the, the spare one in your back pocket because you're going to need it once it's empty, right? So, um, But I digress. Uh, it was a great experience, uh, and you should all go check it out. Guys, that is all that I have for you this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing about this. Uh, I've I've been thinking about it nonstop, so I'm definitely gonna be working a lot of this stuff, uh, you know, uh, over the next couple of weeks until I have the opportunity to get back out uh, to the course. I've had friends reach out to me um, about taking classes there, about what else they offer after seeing just the the two videos uh, of of me kind of running around, uh, looking like a goober, running through a couple of those drills. So. That's all for now. You guys, make sure you get out there. Like we always say here, train hard and be prepared. <laughs>